Hi, my name is Anita Ray and I am a program developer with Calvert County Health Department. In the age of crisis and epidemics, behavioral health has oftentimes been in the spotlight. One day while brainstorming on how to reach the community through a different medium to share resources and the different pathways to wellness, an opportunity arose. So here we are today, hoping to shed a light on the journey from a different viewpoint, the personal journey. This is a podcast titled, If You Only Knew, Real Stories by Real People, produced and hosted by Coward County Health Department. Today, we would like to welcome Dr. Drew Fuller to If You Only Knew, Real Stories by Real People. This is a very truncated version of um, Dr. Drew's resume or his bio is that he's the medical director for the Calvert County Health Department Mobile Crisis Unit. Um, He's a board-certified addiction medicine and emergency medicine. He has practiced emergency medicine for over 20 years, and he provides for Calvert County medically-assisted treatment with a focus on opioids. So welcome, Dr. Drew. Thank you. Happy to be here. So i like to talk a little bit about some of the data with the opioid epidemic. So according to CDC, about around the 1990s, we kind of had like three waves of opioids. Um, issues. The first one was prescription opioids drugs around the 1990s, and then in 2010, we kind of increased in our overdose deaths, which kind of focused on heroin deaths. And now then in 2013, it increased again, but it was with kind of designer drugs, fentanyl particularly. So during this time frame, as the landscape changed between the years, can you share what was your stake in the change in roles as an emergency medicine doctor? Absolutely. Okay. I have to admit, um, shamefully, that for so long I didn't know what I didn't know. And having trained in the Hopkins system and worked in Baltimore and lived in Baltimore, I thought I knew addiction. I thought I knew opioid addiction. Um, And there was a point where I would see patients a lot in the emergency department, and I was willing to help, but I felt helpless, um, that there was not much that could be done. But I also felt frustration and aggravation because occasionally at times patients would come in with secondary gains seeking opioids, or if they came in with an addiction, where could we get them help at a reasonable time? So I had I had provider fatigue, a response fatigue, and I wasn't as effective as I could have been. And it really wasn't until um, I became involved with the health department, the director of the health department, Dr. Larry Polsky, and I had done the education to learn more about buprenorphine and opioid treatment that I realized that the science is very strong. And I had an epiphany of sorts um, that showed that we can do a lot for these patients and the opportunities are great in all aspects of our care, primary care, hospital care, emergency care, pharmacy care, that we, it's, it's not hopeless that there's a lot of great things that we can do as healthcare providers. Well, one of the things I think that permeates through the whole opioid epidemic is that social stigma kind of always gets in the way. Um, it always talks about like it's a choice, it's not a disease for people with addiction. Um, people continue to blame the individual for the disease. Have you as a healthcare professional have you viewed it that way sometimes, as a moral weakness or a character flaw? Possibly. I, mean, I don't remember having um, a lot of disdain, but I've seen a lot of disdain that's out there. I've you know, 
seen people high-fiving when someone gets arrested and taken away. And um, uh, But I would say it, it, the people in healthcare um, have an opportunity to help turn this around. And so I, I would say enemy number one with the opioid epidemic is stigma. And it's stigma against the disease. It's stigma against the people with the disease. And it's stigma against the treatments that work the best, according to the science. And it's going to take a lot of work for the, to change the community around. It's going to take a lot of work to change um, people with addiction to educate them. But it's really going to take a lot of work to change healthcare providers and enlighten them to the fact that there are treatments that work and work extremely well. And the fact that they can make a huge impact on patients out there. So in your words, how successful do you think treatment is? Extremely successful far more successful than most of what I was doing um, in my prior career. So I initially trained in primary care, was board certified in internal medicine, and then I trained in emergency medicine and board certified in emergency medicine. Everybody likes making an impact. Every human likes making an impact. Internal medicine doctors like it on a chronic basis. Emergency medicine doctors like it on an acute basis. I used to think I was saving lives with addiction care. I'm saving lives, but I'm saving families, and I'm saving generations. Yeah, My guess is being a medical director of the mobile crisis unit here, you, you've probably seen an entire array of calls that come in mm-hmm. and how you all have managed this. So here in the county, what do you think has been the biggest impact of the mobile crisis unit in the county and how it's impacted families, like you said? I would say the biggest impact is access. Um, and it's not as much as the mobile crisis unit. It's the recovery rapid response program, which they've been building diligently over the last three or four years. Um, the leadership of the health department has progressively built up a program that increases access. So whereas people used to have to wait a week to get an appointment in a clinic or to see a provider, and it was down to three days, now it's basically treatment on demand. So seven days a week. 16 hours a day, 365 days a year, people can show up and we will start and engage them on treatment. That is absolutely unheard of in the addiction treatment world. So let's talk about some of the things you would like to share with the listening audience about addiction and treatment and service and access. So what do you think is the best possible solution for persons that feel like their loved ones are experiencing challenges with whether it's opioids or whether it's benzos or whether it's alcohol, what are some of the things that you would suggest would be helpful for families? I would say to call our 800 number if they have to um, and get involved and come in and see us for an evaluation. Bring the loved one or even if the loved one's not willing to come to at least call us and get information. Unfortunately, I think addiction care is a few decades behind where it needs to be generally in the communities out there. And that's so much of our attention and focus is being put on treatments that by themselves don't work as well and that people need to focus on what works the best. So being trained as an emergency emergency medicine doctor and then you switch now where you are focusing on opioid treatment, what was the gateway that brought you from emergency medicine to focus on addiction and opioid? What did you have to do as a prescriber? As a, so I was involved in patient safety um, in emergency medicine for the last 10 years and working in a program um, trying to do opiate prescribing safety. I ended up taking that waiver course offered 
through SAMHSA, and I took it through the American Society of Addiction Medicine. And it was a course to teach doctors more about addiction and about utilizing buprenorphine on an outpatient basis for treatment of opioid addiction. The aha moment is when you look at the science behind what we do for all of our treatments and you look at efficacy. The science behind opioid treatment is indisputable and the impact is quite large if we can get people into the right treatments um, and get them there. In fact, if I had to compare this you know, I used to love saving lives, like I said, in, mm-hmm. in emergency medicine. I had, a, I had great teams to help us do that. And we used to high five each other when a heart attack patient would come in and we would get them in the helicopter and fly them off and they'd get a stent and they're, they're okay. But the reality is you have to do that stent to nearly 25 patients before you save one life. Wow. Right. You know, so, you, but in addiction care, you treat it's um, it's not really that clear, but you know, if you treat four or five patients, you may save a life. Or if you treat 10 patients, you may save a life. The number needed to treat, which is a way of measuring effectiveness, it's known that if you get two people into treatment, you can get at least one to stay in treatment. And uh, that sounds terrible, but in the medical world, that's great because number needed to treat with cholesterol agents for five years to make a difference is 90. Yeah. So I guess as we um, kind of think about what we want to see next, can you share a little bit what you would like to see next in this field that you're working in? Absolutely. And it's it's really about access again. And so um, what I didn't tell you is to extend on the rapid recovery program is we okay. have the mobile crisis team. So most patients can get to us where we have a great clinic arrangement. We can see them there. But if they can't, we will send out a team of a dedicated nurse or physician, nurse practitioner or physician, a licensed counselor and a peer recovery specialist. And that can be done in a crisis state when they just had an overdose, if they're stable enough, um, or if they feel like they're in the depths of addiction. We will send a team and we will put a doctor on the doorstep. So it's like a, a cadre of professionals. Yeah. You make a phone call mm-hmm. and you kind of send them out to where they're needed. Yeah. I've treated guys that were actively withdrawing uh, in the basement of their house, wrapped in a blanket, surrounded by their kids' Legos. So not only when we send a team out there, because we uh, what we do know about addiction is that people are sometimes in the depths of the white waters and they're being tossed around. And I use a metaphor of someone being in a, in a rapid on a white water with their hand sticking out. If their hand can come out and you can grab it, you have to take that opportunity and grab it. Because the window of opportunity closes rapidly when some people are ready for treatment. And if you can start treatment and engage them, then hopefully you can keep them in treatment. And even if they don't stay in treatment, they've had a taste of success, and then you can give it another try and another try and another try if you need to. So let me see. So you you triage. So you send out your triage team. They do the emergency response to the call. But I guess the next thing is, once they actually have stabilized that individual, what do you all do next to actually link them up to resources within it to continue that actual success that they've had? Yeah. So you have to find out. You have to do a full comprehensive assessment and see where the strengths are and where the vulnerabilities are. And then you have to focus resources on those vulnerabilities. So while I am a physician and I do believe that addiction is a medical disease and the medical model is what's most appropriate, 
and medication makes a difference. It's not all about medication. We need psychological services. We need support services and to keep people in treatment and to help them rebuild their lives. And do you all have the capacity to do that transition for all your patients, for all your clients? We do. We have licensed counselors. We have peer recovery specialists that just do an excellent job of coordinating services. And we're, we're always looking to strengthen it and build. We're looking for licensed counselors. We'd like to have more. But we're getting a lot of interest from nurses and doctors in the community that want to work with us. So for our listening audience that out, is out there today, what would you share with prescribers in regard to what you've learned and transitioned into and what you think would be helpful to this whole opioid epidemic? Uh, You can make a difference. Um, And with this epidemic, it really needs to be all hands on deck. So every part of our healthcare system has a role to play. The health departments can be the hub and other areas can be the spoke and we can help get people in and stabilize them and move them out. But um, I, I would say that treating a patient with addiction and seeing them successfully navigate a new life is one of the most rewarding things that I've done as a physician. So I went from maybe having response fatigue to now being inspired by my, my patients. I did not anticipate that to be the case when I started doing addiction medicine. That's awesome. So if there was one thing that you could share, what would it be? Get educated. Yeah. Um, take the eight hours to learn about buprenorphine or take the waiver course. Um, my hope is that the waiver course has to go away in the future and everyone can just prescribe buprenorphine for addiction. But to go ahead and take it as some of the best eight hours of education that I've had, um, and it really changed my entire mindset. So during this time of COVID, can you share how the opioid epidemic has been impacted by COVID? Yes. Unfortunately, um, we're falling behind. And so some of the success that we have made statewide and nationally is slipping because overdose death rates are going up again. And that's happened nationally and it's even happening statewide. So Maryland has a 7% increase in opioid deaths. However, in Calvert County, we've seen a 31% decrease in opioid deaths in the last year. Now, granted, those are smaller numbers and are vulnerable to statistical variation, and we'll see if that holds out. However, when everybody else is going up and we're going down statistically significantly, I'm going to hold on to that. And one of the reasons may be access to care. And we have tremendous access to care here in Calvert County, and then we serve the entire region of Southern Maryland. So if you could have a system of care for addiction, anything that you want, sky is a limit. What would that look like? Multi-level. First and foremost, we need access to treatment on demand. So emergency treatment 24-7, and that can be done through telehealth or anything else. But we need a statewide system for emergency MAT and emergency access to care, first and foremost. Secondly, we need a comprehensive network of clinic systems that are integrated and have high-quality standards for that are, have patient-centered, comprehensive addiction care. Thank you, Dr. Drew Fillo, for joining us today. You've been on If You Only Knew, Real Stories with Real People. Today's episode was produced and edited by Anthony Green. The producers of today's show were Denise Dickerson, Ashley Staples-Reed, Kristen Lambert, and Anthony Green. You were listening to If You Only Knew, Real Stories by Real People. 
Thank you for listening and please share with someone who may be on this journey to wellness. If you are struggling or have a loved one that may be struggling with behavioral health issues, please call our Recovery Rapid Response Hotline number at 1-877-467-5628. That's 1-877-467-5628.